warning. In recent years, competition authorities in the EU have taken an interest in parity clauses, especially in parity clauses used by online intermediation platforms. I'm moving on to the next slide. Parity clauses are also known as most favored nation clauses, or in short, MFNs. This is due to the fact that in international trade, countries may agree that country A will treat the goods of country B as favorably or more favorably than those of other nations. In commercial relationships between undertakings, a parity clause operates in a similar manner. Parity clauses require company A to offer to company B terms as favorable or no less favorable than those offered to other companies. Since companies are not really nations, we prefer the term parity clauses to the term most favored nation clauses. Parity clauses often relate to prices. For example, a distributor of coffee might require its supplier to agree to not supplying any other distributor at lower prices. Parity clauses can cover also other terms and conditions besides prices. For example, a distributor of coffee might require its supplier to not offer shorter delivery deadlines or better warranty terms to other distributors. Usually, parity clauses are requested by buyers and not volunteered by suppliers since they limit the commercial freedom of the supplier. I am moving on to the next slide. There are different ways of categorizing parity clauses. Dividing them into price and non-price parity clauses is not the only option. We can also differentiate between wholesale and retail parity clauses. Wholesale parity clauses affect only the prices or other terms offered by manufacturers or wholesalers to other wholesalers or retailers. Retail parity clauses affect the prices or other terms and conditions offered by retailers to end customers. Normally, end customers do not have the bargaining power to demand parity clauses. So retail parity clauses are mainly used by intermediaries who might ask suppliers to not offer better terms to end customers through other intermediaries or through the supplier's own direct sales channels. It is quite universally accepted that retail parity clauses have higher potential to harm consumers than wholesale parity clauses. It is also popular to divide parity clauses into wide and narrow parity clauses. This distinction is based on the range of sales channels covered by the parity obligation. If the obligation refers only to the supplier's direct sales channels, such as, to, such as the supplier's own brick and mortar shops and online store, it is a narrow parity clause. If the obligation refers to indirect sales channels, such as other distributors or all sales channels, it is a wide parity clause. It is quite universally accepted that wide parity clauses have higher potential to harm consumers than narrow parity clauses. It is also possible to divide parity clauses into offline and online parity clauses. 
parity obligations that refer to online sales channels would be online parity clauses and parity clauses that refer to offline sales channels would be offline parity clauses. Most cases investigated by the European competition authorities have concerned mainly online parity clauses. It makes sense because it is, it is easier for customers to compare prices offered in different online channels than to do the same with prices that require visiting brick and mortar shops or contacting each supplier separately by phone, email or other means. This is not to say that offline parity clauses are never used or investigated. For example, under pressure from the Estonian Competition Authority, Volt stopped using parity clauses that required restaurants not to offer better prices in the restaurants than they offered through the Volt service. There is uh, no consensus on whether online parity clauses are more likely to harm consumers, but they probably are. For most goods, it is more likely that people spend time searching for better prices online and online parity clauses make this search less effective. It is also possible to divide parity clauses into express parity clauses and implied parity clauses. Express parity clauses clearly state that offering better terms in other channels is prohibited. Implied parity clauses achieve the same result by applying differential pricing or other incentives or measures. For example, an implied parity clause may give the buyer the right to return goods or cancel orders if the supplier offers better prices to other distributors. The effects of express and implied parity clauses are similar. Most parity cases investigated by the European competition authorities have concerned parity clauses used by online intermediation platforms such as Amazon and Booking.com. This is due to the fact that retail parity clauses used by online intermediation platforms have the most potential to harm consumers. Now I'm moving on to the next slide. So what are the negative effects of parity clauses? Firstly, parity clauses may reduce intra-brand competition. The most obvious example would be a situation where you get the same brand of products for the same price regardless of the sales channel. When we take hotel rooms as an example, you would have to pay the price that includes Booking.com's commission even if you book directly with the hotel and do not use Booking.com's services. Secondly, parity clauses may reduce interbrand competition. If we take online intermediation platforms as an example, a wide parity clause used by Booking.com would make it harder for competing online travel agents to enter the market or expand their activities. A wide parity clause would also lessen the incentives of other platforms to offer lower commission fees. Thirdly, parity clauses may facilitate collusion. This is because parity clauses increase price transparency and make it easier to monitor compliance with possible price fixing agreements between the suppliers. Luckily, parity clauses do not have only negative effects, there are also potential benefits. The main benefit of a parity clause is that it helps to avoid free riding. 
In this context, free riding means that the buyer invests in value-adding features that can be consumed in the pre-purchase phase, while the supplier and other buyers may benefit from these value-adding features without making similar investments. If we take the Booking.com example, Booking.com enables customers a convenient tool to search for suitable hotel rooms and compare them to each other. Booking.com has invested heavily in its platform. Without at least a narrow parity clause, it would be extremely easy for customers to use Booking.com services for finding a suitable hotel room and then visiting the hotel's own website for a lower price. The hotel would free ride on the services provided by Booking.com without any compensation paid to Booking.com. Parity clauses are also likely to help online intermediation platforms recoup their investments. This is because parity clauses increase the likelihood that customers using the platform also finalize their purchases through the platform and the platform is able to earn commission. Finally, parity clauses may assist new market entry. This would be the case if the parity clause enables a new market entrant to advertise best available resale prices. A parity clause with a supplier lowers the risk of other resellers offering significantly lower resale prices since the other resellers cannot purchase the product from the supplier at a lower wholesale price than the new market entrant. I am moving on to the next slide. As I mentioned in the beginning of my presentation, competition authorities in the EU have investigated parity clauses in the recent years. The lucky uh, targets of these investigations have been mostly online travel agents, but also Amazon, food delivery platforms and insurance brokers. Booking.com had to suffer the highest number of investigations across Europe. Booking.com initially had wide parity clauses in its agreements with hotels. Most authorities took the view that wide parity clauses were in breach of competition law, but agreed with Booking.com that narrow parity clauses did not breach competition law. One exception was the German Competition Authority that also condemned uh, narrow parity clauses. Amazon's parity clauses have been investigated both by local competition authorities and the European Commission. Amazon's cases are different from Booking.com's cases in that Amazon does not offer only online intermediation services, but operates also as a seller on the platform. Amazon's platform is a so-called hybrid platform. This means that Amazon is in direct competition with third-party vendors that use the platform. If Booking.com had to remove only wide parity clauses and got to keep the narrow parity clauses, Amazon removed also narrow parity clauses from its agreements with third-party vendors. The Estonian Competition Authority has analyzed parity clauses on several occasions. Uh, the Estonian Competition Authority's representative will intr introduce the key takeaways later in the discussion part. I'm moving on to the next slide. If hearing about parity clauses for the past 10 minutes made you wish that your, your agreements with your suppliers had parity clauses in them, you should check compliance with competition law. 
Parity clauses can benefit from the vertical agreement's block exemption, provided that the supplier and buyer are not competitors and their market shares are below 30%. Parity clauses can benefit from the current block exemption that is valid until the 31st of May next year. Above the 30% market share threshold, you should presume that wide parity clauses are not in compliance with competition law. For narrow parity clauses, benefits may be able to outweigh harmful effects, but you are still in the gray zone and cannot presume that narrow parity clauses are definitely lawful. Under the draft new vertical agreements block exemption regulation, wide and narrow parity clauses would still be allowed between non-competitors if their market shares are below 30%. There is one major exception, namely wide retail parity clauses used by online intermediation platforms cannot benefit from the exemption. Above the 30% market share threshold, narrow parity clauses are more likely than wide parity clauses to create efficiencies that outweigh harmful effects. Uh, moving on to the next slide. So having heard about parity clauses and their treatment under competition law, we have summarized two do's and two don'ts. All undertakings should check before agreeing to a parity clause if the parity clause benefits from the vertical agreement's block exemption. If it does benefit, it is relatively safe to use the parity clause. If it does not benefit, you should drop nice to have parity clauses. If you believe that the parity clause is not a nice to have, but instead a need to have a detailed analysis and weighing of positive and negative effects is needed to assess compliance with competition law. We definitely recommend negotiating as narrow parity clauses as possible. For example, limiting the parity obligation to the supplier's own website and excluding all other direct and indirect sales channels. Considering the current draft of the new vertical block exemption regulation, you should not agree to any wide retail parity clauses with online intermediation platforms. Considering both the current and the new draft block exemption, you should not agree to any parity clauses with hybrid platforms that sell competing goods and or services. Examples of such hybrid platforms include Amazon, and food delivery platforms that act also as sellers of the goods offered by third parties through the platform. And this concludes my presentation on parity clauses. Thank you for listening.